Welcome to the Church of the Living God, Living Godcast. Our prayer is that this message speaks to you, impacts you, and inspires you. Please enjoy today's message, and we invite you to contact us if you need prayer, appreciate this word, or would like more information on Church of the Living God. Be blessed today. Uh, Paul says, as he's writing, he's writing to the church at Philippi. He's been with them. He's preached to them. He's got to know them. But now he is in the apostolic move. He's out around other areas. But he's got them on his heart, and he's writing to them. And, of course, it was inspired writing. Paul and Timotheus, the servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus which are at Philippi, with the bishops and deacons. Can you see the structure in there? You see the structure in that already? Amen. They don't give us the details of how they chose this, how they did that, all of this stuff. But you can see that structure right there. To all the saints, with the bishops and the deacons. Amen. And he says, Grace be unto you, and peace from God our Father, and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God, upon every remembrance of you. Amen. Father, thank you for this word. We just pray for an unction and utterance of the Holy Spirit within it and that it will be moving within our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, uh, as I said, they've been there. Now they're out on their journey, but he still has them uh, on his heart. and He's still writing to them and talking to him. He says, uh, grace be unto you and peace. Uh, that word for peace there is... Uh, the uh, Greek word irene, and uh, irene means to set at one again, and it is not double-minded. How many definitions do you see about a word that says what it's not? You know, this, this not only defined what it was, right, to set at one again and, uh, and to not be double-minded, you know, and so it means both things, to set at one again. When you're at one, have you ever been at odds with yourself? You ever been in a valley of decision that you're back and forth and back and forth? You know what? You're not even one with yourself then. You're just going back and forth and trying to n navigate that season and find out what's the will of God and the purpose of God. And he says, grace be unto you and peace this peace that will cause it to be set at one again, that you not be double-minded. Praise God. Uh, God said that a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. All right? The Scripture says that. And so uh, that peace of God is not just peace as, as in there's not a battle. You know, sometimes the greatest uh, gifts of God's peace are in the middle of the battle. You know, in the middle of a season that things are tough in. And so it's not that you have to have the right circumstances to get the peace of God. But when your circumstances are not even that good, you especially need the peace of God, right? You especially need that. And you can receive it even when the battle is raging. Amen. And so it said, I thank my God of every remembrance, every mention of you. And it goes in verse 4, it says, Always in every prayer of mine, for you all, making requests with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from that first day until now. Isn't that good? I love that. 
You know, what we see there is a covenant of prayer. The Apostle Paul has said to this church at Philippi, remember, he's not there. And so he's out traveling and he's writing a letter. I don't know how long it takes their Pony Express to get it there. I don't know how, how much time is passing. But he's writing to them. They're on his mind. And he, all, he went on and he said, always in every prayer of mine for you, making requests with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. So he's making a covenant of prayer. I'm not with you, but I've got you on my mind. I'm not with you, but I'm praying for you. Amen? Isn't that good? And we can do that. We can pray for one another. We need to pray for one another. The requests that are mentioned at the pulpit, you should pray about them you know, th- throughout the week or whatever need that there is. And, and God knows there can be a need just any time, right? <laughs> oh, Ezekiel, you're tough, buddy. I tell you what, he's a trooper at the hospital last night when they had to come in and set those things. I think, I don't know, he was a, he's more, you know, dad was a little tenderhearted for his boy. But Ezekiel was strong. Amen. And God's with you. I told him, I said, this is going to be part of your story. You're going to tell this story for the rest of your life. But when that, those bones were, were broke, what God did and how it went by, the doctor was amazed. It just went back so easily into place. And they said, we think he's going to have a full recovery in, in not that long of a time. you know. And so God is good, even in bad circumstances, even when things are not going well. Amen. God is still good. And we need to know that. And we can pray for one another. We can pray for people, you know, that even if you're not with them at the moment. But he said, I've got a covenant of prayer. I want to pray for you. Brother and sister, we got to get back to prayer. Amen. The house of God has got to get back to prayer. The kingdom of God in America has got to get back to prayer. Amen. There are volumes and volumes and volumes of books about praying. And how to pray. And we need to make sure that we are people that pray. You can read a book on prayer and still not be praying. Right? And I know many times, I said this years ago, that in America it seems that people are exchanging a prayer life for a prayer request life. And so they can get on these national programs and they're telling them, you know, send in your prayer request. And they always have stacks of mail this high and that way. And they lay their hands on them and pray over all those needs. Of course, they don't know what the needs are. Hopefully God does, you know, he's God. But they're praying over those things and everything. But, you know, God didn't just say, and he does say to make requests. But, but we are to request the things of God, and we're to, uh, you know, pray in that manner. But we don't want to exchange a prayer life for a prayer request life. Amen. It's not the same. You should have your personal time of prayer between you and God. Amen. That's going to build relationship. You cannot have a healthy relationship with anybody that you're not talking to. Don't be quiet on me now. Amen. It takes two, (laughs) and God is certainly, uh, you know, trying to connect with us, and we need to connect with Him. And so a covenant of prayer, and we need to keep that in our personal lives, in our church. Amen. Prayer changes things. Amen. Some of the most powerful people in the world prayed. Some of the greatest Bible stories in the book, people prayed. 
It was on the day of Pentecost that 120 were in one mind and in one accord. When the wind began to blow and the fire began to fall and the Holy Ghost of God came upon the church, that still, that same Holy Ghost now 2,000 years later that is moving around the world. Don't you be deceived. Amen. God's kingdom is advancing. God's kingdom is on the move. Amen. And so we uh, see that, know that here and around the world. People, their lives are still being changed. But he's praying. And he says, always, in every prayer of mine, for you all making requests with joy. It gives me joy to pray for you. For your fellowship in the gospel. When I think about the last time, that last meal we had. Boy, that was a good meal. Boy, I tell you, come on, we're Americans. We talk about food. Yeah. We talk about restaurants get good food. And we talk about restaurants ain't got good food, right? But we recommend restaurants that are especially good, right? That, that make you happy. That's, I like eating out with Patrick. He loves good food. He does. He gets happy when we're eating good food. That's a good thing. Norman Gray, but he, he gets, oh, he gets happy. Oh, he likes good food. It makes them want to come back to America all over again just to have a little bit more. So we are all about that, right? And so all these things, fellowship in the gospel, amen, covenant of prayer, being confident. He said, I'm praying for you because of this. I am confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Isn't that good? Amen. Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. When we're young Christians, we have to build that confidence. We have, because we're young. We're start, we've just started. I remember when I got saved, and I remember how that I depended on Sister Emma Camuse and her preaching and her, her care and her hugs and, and all the things you know that just become a part of a church and and those things, Brother Roberts came into our lives, you know, a little later in life. Sister Emma was the mother of my salvation. Brother Roberts was that, that key voice in the development of the ministry that God had put within me. There'd be others come along and maybe expand this way or that way. But those are the two most prominent people uh, in my life that, that helped me lay foundations. And he said, I'm confident of this very thing. That what you've got inside of you, that he which began a good work in you, that he is going to perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Can I say something to you? That if you're not right at the day of Jesus Christ, it's not because God stopped performing. Amen. It's because we took a turn somewhere else. Amen. And, and when you're older, when you're experienced, that's a good word, isn't it? Yeah, when you're, when you're walking in God in experience, I like that, right? We can be inspirational to the younger generations because they're just starting their story. They're just starting out on their journey. And they'll come to say, man, I'm fighting this battle. I've never, never even seen a battle like that. Oh, yeah, yeah, back in 1977, I fought a battle just like that. Boy, I tell you, I just know what God did in that time. Here's how you need to pray. Here's what you need to do. It's our confidence because of the experiences that we have with God 
that we know what God is able to do that will help the new generations not only to receive Christ, uh, but to finish their course, amen, to help them to live on until the day of Jesus Christ. It's not enough to be faithful to church and miss the kingdom of God, amen. We're after the kingdom of God. We're after those pearly gates, those golden streets. What we're really after is God sitting on the throne. That we're going to see our God and our Father. And we're going to worship Him. That we're going to see Jesus Christ. Amen. The only thing man made in heaven will be the scars upon His back. And the nail prints in His hands. Amen. And we're going to see that same Jesus Christ that died on the cross and that rose again on the third day. We're not a part of some little religious thing, 45 minutes a week, and we're going to get off and go do something else. No, sir, we're a part of something that was, something that is, and something that will come. Amen? Amen? The kingdom is coming. It's going to come. Well, it took 2,000 years for Jesus to come. Well, we ain't too far away from 2,000 years from there. Amen. The kingdom's going to come. And when the kingdom comes, everything's going to change. The millennial kingdom, we're going to rule and reign for a thousand years with Christ. But we have the ability, mom and dad, grandmother, grandfather, let me tell you, don't hold your testimonies. Amen. The kids sometimes, they'll say, well, I heard that story three times already. Well, that's all right, son. You just sit down and listen. I'm going to tell you number four. Right? I'm just going to run it by you again. All right. My, I know how my grandparents were, and, and by golly, I'm a grandparent now, and I'm just going to do it too. Praise God. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you again and again and again, because we know, we know that it takes more than once, right? Yeah. I mean, you don't go to one year of school. It takes 12 years to get you through school, just to get out ready for a job, Right? You ever notice at school that we do the same work over and over and over again, right? That's what we do in the kingdom. We keep going. We keep moving. We keep praying. We keep preaching. We keep laying hands on the sick. We keep encouraging the new generations. Now, we don't imprison the, the uh, generations. You can come. You can go. But I'll tell you this. I've walked long enough with God to know that a bad day in the kingdom is better than a good day in the world. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen we got to realize that. So he says, even as it is meet for me to think this of you all because I have you in my heart. He said, I've got you in my heart. Amen. Aren't you happy for that? Isn't that awesome? I've got you right in my heart. Inasmuch as both in my bonds and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you are all partakers of my grace. He said, man, I'm just imparting to you a portion of the grace of God that he's put in my life. That's a beautiful thing. That's a beautiful thing. Amen. You know what? Church of the Living God in uh, Mount Sterling, it's going to have the same DNA as Church of the Living God in Winchester. It's going to have the same mindset. It's going to have the same foundations in that. Why? Because it's a son that's carrying that seed over, bringing that in. There's nothing like family. Amen. And it changes everything. Changes everything. And so, he said, you're all partakers of my grace. God, I need you to answer my prayers like you answered the Apostle Paul's prayers. God, I need to understand the word like like the Apostle Paul was able to understand in writing the New Testament, two-thirds of it. 
And so we can, he carries them in his heart, but what's in him is coming into their spirit. It's coming into their spirit. Amen. Our confidence will make younger Christians become confident, our own confidence. But it is when you listen to the elders that you begin to partake of their calling, that you begin to have a piece of who they are and what they are. Amen. It's my desire that multitudes of people will carry the anointing that God has placed upon this house until Jesus come. And so he says, For God is my record, how greatly I long after you in all the bowels of Jesus Christ. I yearn for you. And this I pray, that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment, that you may approve things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. Now look at that in verse 10. Well, verse 9 is good, right? Your love may abound more and more in knowledge and in all judgment. But verse 10, that you may approve. The word approve there is test. It's a test. That you may test things that are excellent that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. Without offense. Isn't that amazing? Do you know that of all the things that Jesus alerted his disciples to, one of the greatest things that he put into them and told them about was not to be offended. That in the last days that people would become offended. That offense would grow in the last days of culture. Mercy, we must be in the last days. Amen. Offense. He, he didn't warn them about the Antichrist. He didn't warn them about plagues that were coming on the earth. When Jesus was about to go, when they talked with him, his highest alarm was do not be offended. No matter who says what, no matter who goes, no matter who comes, no matter what's said, whatever you're going through, guard yourself, keep yourself without offense. Do not be offended. You know how you cannot be offended? At the very moment that offense begins to come into your heart, you speak to it. And you tell that thing to get out of your mind. Sometimes you need to talk back to the thoughts of your mind. Some people say, well, if you think it, but you don't say it, it doesn't have any power. No, no, you keep thinking about something long enough, and it will have power. And so if the devil's attacking your mind, then in your mind, you stand against the enemy. You, you get a hold of your mind, and you can do that. God's given us that authority. And here again, the Apostle Paul says that you can test things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. So again, the warning to the church is to make sure, test things, prove things, figure out what's light and what's dark, what's right, what's wrong. Amen? Test it. Does it work? If it doesn't work, you need to do something better, something greater. He says, being filled with the fruits of righteousness which are by Jesus Christ unto the glory and praise of God or of the gospel. And he says, so that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all other places. Listen, this man, 
He was beaten for his gospel. He was imprisoned for his gospel. He was drugged out of the prison to stand before Caesar multiple times to give a, a defense of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the experience that he had on the road to Damascus. He, the Apostle Paul, told his story to Caesar that he was persecuting the church, that he was going into Damascus and bringing them back for judgment, even death. And then on one of his journeys, that a great light appeared, knocked him off of that horse, and a great light shone upon him in as much as it caused him to be blind. And he said, who are you? Who are you? And he said, the voice that came out of that light was, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. I am the Christ. I am the Jesus whom you persecute. Well, I just take God's name in vain. He knows you. He knows who's cursing him. He knows who's going the other direction. Paul, he was zealous of the old covenant. It's not that he was a heathen man. He wasn't a drunkard. You know, he wasn't an idolater. He wasn't an adulterer. He was blameless concerning the law of Moses. That's not Ten Commandments. That's about 300 pages in the laws of Moses. And he was without offense of any of them. He had right to feel that he had accomplished great things. You know, in our culture, sometimes the challenge is for people to get rid of the, the sinful things when they get saved. Get rid of the addictive things that are hurting them. The pain from their past, from whatever's been going on in their life. But what the Apostle Paul had to do was not lay down sins and hurts and things. He was blameless. He had to lay down his religion and exchange it for a relationship. He, he's, he's, he gave up his religion that he may know the man in the light. He said that I may know him, that I may know the power of his resurrection. Hallelujah, hallelujah. How many of you know this is a man we can learn from? We need to read his writings. We need to hear what he's saying. Amen. And so he said, man, I've, I've been telling this in all of the palace, preaching Christ. And he says, hey, uh, we, we've, we've just got to keep going. I'm not going to read all these verses, but I'll read a few more. He says, what then, notwithstanding every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. I therein do rejoice, yea, and will rejoice. He says, some people do it. Uh, let me back up a couple of verses. He said, many of the brethren in the Lord, verse 14, waxing confidence by my bonds are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Him overcoming fears helped others overcome fear. Some indeed preach Christ even of envy and strife. Can you preach the gospel of Christ without the right motive? Evidently you can, right? And so motive is important. 
and so out of envy and strife, and some also of goodwill. The one preached Christ of contention, not sincerely supposing to add affliction to my bonds. He said, they think they're hurting me. <laughs> but he, and then another of love, knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel. What then, notwithstanding every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. And I therein do rejoice, and yea, I will rejoice. And he said, and I know this shall turn to my salvation through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Amen. The supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Amen. Heaven has storage places of the supply of that Spirit of Jesus Christ. Isn't that awesome? That's just awesome. He says, now these guys, they're doing it for the wrong reason. Nevertheless, they're talking about Jesus. Yeah. Right? They're telling people about Jesus. All right? Jesus take care of them later. But they're still talking about Jesus. Right? But he said, look, this shall turn my salvation through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Amen. You need to receive the Holy Spirit. Not just the first time. You need to receive the Holy Spirit probably every day, every day, to receive of that supply of the Spirit. Isn't that awesome? And so, he goes on, let me go down to verse 21. For to me, is, for to, me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. He said, for me to live, I, keep, I, I can keep preaching about Jesus. But for me to die is gain. <laughs> this is the, the worst world you'll ever live in. He said, I know where I'm going. And he said, for me to die is gain. But if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor. Yet what I shall choose, I, I don't know. He says, for I am in a strait betwixt two. He said, I'm at a crossroads. My flesh says one thing, my spirit says something else. I'm in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. Far better. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. He said, man, I'm caught in the crossroads. If I stay here, I can, I can show you more of the word. I can show you more of the revelation. I can abide with you. But he said, there's something inside of me. I'm starting to really get homesick for a city that I've never seen before. Hallelujah. Homesick for a city you've never been to. Oh, you were there. You just don't remember it. You came from there. And so this world, he says, he says, this is a temporary place. But he said, whether I live or die, whether some receive and others do not, Christ be magnified. That's the title, Christ be magnified. Of all things, of all things that are life needs to produce 
it is that we produce Christ being magnified. Amen. If we preach and people say, what a great preacher, we've missed the mark. But if we preach and they say, what a great Jesus, that's the goal. Thank you for listening to today's Church of the Living God, Living Godcast. We trust and pray that you were blessed by today's word. If you'd like to contact us for prayer or for more information about Church of the Living God, please visit our Facebook page at WinCityCOLG or give us a call at 859-745-1865.